Last week, I told you the story about a man named Timothy Gray. Timothy Gray, he was a man who died homeless under an overpass in the state of Wyoming. And the tragedy of his death was that he did not know that he was an heir to a huge family fortune. Tim Gray was an adopted great-grandson of former U.S. Senator William Andrews Clark, who had made his reputation as one of the copper kings of Montana, who also diversified into banking, building, railroads, and reserved special fame as the founder of Las Vegas, Nevada. In fact, the county that Las Vegas is in is named Clark County. And so what's tragic about the death of Tim Gray was that he was the long-lost relative of New York heiress Huguette Clark and stood to inherit $19 million of her $300 million fortune that included money and properties that went across the nation. Last week, I put a picture up of one of those properties, a 21,000-square-foot estate on the shores of California in Santa Barbara, California. Incredible, incredible. While this is a terrible story, and you wish this man could have realized his great riches, what is more tragic today is Christians who do not know or do not understand the riches that they have in Christ, the riches that we possess in Jesus Christ. They don't know what they have in Jesus now, the Apostle Paul, we're going through First and Second Peter, and we find ourselves in his second epistle, Second Peter, as we call it. And the Apostle Paul, he wrote these couple letters. He wrote First Peter to encourage Christians of the first century that were undergoing tremendous persecution and hardship as they were living their lives for Christ. In Second Peter, he writes for this purpose to encourage Christians and to warn them against false teaching and false teachers. And so this will become a theme, as we'll see, as we go through the letter of 2 Peter. He opens the letter in his salutation, telling and reminding Christians of the great riches that they have in Jesus Christ. In the salutation of the letter, Peter outlines what the believer in Jesus Christ possesses. Last week, we learned that we possess in Jesus a like precious faith, a like precious faith. And if you missed last week, you can avail yourself to the podcast. It is available on the website and on iTunes. You can listen to that whole message where we talked about the fact that we possess a like precious faith. Tonight, we're going to take a look at a couple more things that we possess in Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, these are these are they. We possess multiplied grace and peace. And secondly, we possess great and precious promises, great and precious promises. So let's look at this tonight. First, you possess multiplied grace and peace. Let's read it. First, uh, second Peter chapter one, verse one, it says this. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, 
Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So Peter, in his salutation here, he's telling, he's starting his letter. It's a it's kind of a formal salutation. But here we find in the salutation, he's giving us, he's reminding us, Christians, of the things that we possess in Jesus, the things that we have uh, in our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. And so he told us that we have a like precious faith. Secondly, we have a multiplied grace and peace. Peter indicates that, that, that he wants uh, grace and peace to be multiplied to the believers that he's writing to. Uh, Grace and peace, these are two of the most precious things that we possess as believers in Christ. Amen? I mean, if you were to think of all the things that we do possess, I think you may probably put these two near the top or at the top of of the list. They're two very precious possessions and really gifts of God. And they are ours in the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. And so when we come to know Christ, when we come to know God, when we come into life in Christ, we come to grace. Amen. We, we come to grace. We receive the grace of the Lord. We receive the peace of God. Amen. And as we know God, we gain these things that we need so much for living our life in Christ. Grace and peace quite a pair, really an inseparable pair, amen, but usually listed in this particular order. I'm one of those people that believe that there's something significant to the order that things are written down in the scriptures, and grace and peace, when they are written of, are usually written in that particular order, grace and peace. And I think it has something to do with the fact that you need the grace of God so that you can experience the peace of God. Amen. If you'll if you'll humble yourself uh, in, in in the Lord, if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, as Peter closed out his last letter, that that he will give you grace. But of course, he resists the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if we humble ourselves before the Lord, we'll receive the grace of God, this great grace that he gives us. And as the grace of the Lord begins to flow into our lives, the peace of God just naturally follows. Amen? Because if you've got the grace of God in your life, you begin to understand and live in the peace of God that he gives us. A peace that Paul talks about is a peace that passes all understanding. We receive his grace and peace as salvation, but we, we grow in the knowledge and understanding of how great and, and surpassing that these, these gifts are. You know, we, we, we come to know a little bit about the grace of God at salvation, but I mean, if you're a growing Christian, amen, you are, 
you know, we're, we're, we're learning more and more about this wonderful thing that we possess in Christ, this grace of God. This, this, this incredible grace that he continues to pour out into our lives. It's incredible. And the peace of God, the peace of God that we learn by walking in him, by learning of him, by being in his word, by having that intimacy with him, by walking this walk with him, that we learn more and more in the knowledge of these things that we possess, this grace and peace. The danger for Christians is not continuing to grow in the knowledge of his grace. I think there is a a danger there. There is a danger for Christians to kind of come into salvation, come to Christ and kind of taste the grace and experience the grace, but there's a danger in not continuing to learn of the grace of God on a regular and routine basis. And it's important that we do because, well, let me put it this way. If the Christian ceases to continue to grow in the knowledge of God's grace, he reverts easily into self-righteousness. If we're not continuing to grow daily in the knowledge of the grace of God, it's easy to revert back to self-righteousness because well, well, we need a constant reminder of God's grace. Amen? We need a constant reminder of his grace. We need a daily dose of his grace. Uh, and that's why it's so important to be in his word and to see the gospel message just resonating through every page. Amen? At the outset of his ministry, Billy Graham was referred to as God's machine gun. I would suspect maybe that's because he was this preacher and he would go out and talk about how you need to repent and follow the Lord and come to salvation. But as he went on in his knowledge of the Lord, he found himself becoming more and more oriented towards grace. So much so that many Christians today have actually scratched their head and wonder how can he come to some of the conclusions that he's come to. Well, well, that group over there, they, they can't be Christian. They're not included in the church, they say, or they scoff. Or Surely those people over there can't be saved or come to know the Lord. But Billy Graham, he had a way, he still is alive, so we don't want to speak of him in terms of past tense. Of course, we're never past tense if you're in Christ, right? We're just changing locales, Amen. But Billy had a way of being incredibly embracive without compromising his beliefs and without compromising the Bible. And I think the principle is this. The older you grow in the Lord, I think the more grace-oriented you need to become. You need to be grace-oriented as you realize that the Christian life is all about Jesus and the undeserved, unearned favor that he lavishes upon us so freely due to the finished work of Calvary. That it's about his grace. That it's his amazing grace that has changed our lives. I mean, every one of us are here tonight because of the amazing grace of God. That's why we're here. So we need a daily dose. We need a daily reminder. We need to continue to grow 
in the knowledge of grace. Peter goes on, he says, part of this grace that we have that is multiplied to us is that through his divine power, Peter says. If you look, look at uh, verse 2 there, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so God has given us Grace and peace by his divine power and through this grace and peace and this divine power that God has done this, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, life and godliness. And this is the this is the progression. This is the the result of the grace of God and the peace of God coming into our lives. Amen. That we have been given by the divine power of God. All things that we need for life and godliness. For life and godliness. Now, we have to understand, again, here's another word order thing. That it's life and then godliness. Right? We can't, no one can uh, obtain godliness without first obtaining the life that is given to us as salvation. So we have to first come into a life in Christ and then proceed to grow in godliness as we learn to walk with the Lord, as we learn his word. Spiritual life must exist first before there can be true godliness. Knowledge of God experimentally is the first step to life. We come to to know the Lord. We come to life in Jesus. And kind of like the life of a, a person. The child must first have breath, right? You know, you, those of you who are parents, you remember that first breath that you heard. Now, there was the breath and then the cry, right? And then, you know, you want to hear that breath and then the cry because then you know that the that the air got in there, you know? And, and, and there's almost a panic if you don't hear the cry. Because if you don't hear the cry, you're kind of like, oh no, is the air there? Is the life, is the breath there? And so I think there's a principle that we come into life in Christ and we first come to this, per, per, uh, this procession, really, of a breath, of the breath of life. He breathes into us his spirit. And then we learn to cry. And then as that baby cries and grows up a little bit, it learns to walk to daddy, right? Or, or to mama, right? <laughs> come to daddy, come to daddy, right? So we learn to walk in Christ. And this is the progression. So there's got to be life first and then godliness. It's not by godliness that we obtain life, but by life that we obtain godliness. Amen? God wants to, to help us to realize that. That if indeed we have come to life in Christ, that we need to be progressing towards godliness. Amen? We need to, we need to be on that path of maturity as a believer. Amen? The question for us tonight is, have you come alive in Jesus Christ? <laughs> have you come alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 
then from that moment, you have received everything you need for godliness because you've received the life of Christ in you at the moment that you were saved. The Spirit came to dwell in you. He breathed His Spirit into you. And you became that spiritual new believer, that new creation in Him. And you've got everything that you need to continue to, to, to process towards godliness. Amen? When you were given life in Him, you were saved, Christian, from corruption. And the course of corruption leading to destruction. You're no longer, you're on a different path. You're on a different process. You got life in Christ and that life leads to a procession of godliness and ultimately glorification in Jesus Christ. We're no longer on the path of the unbeliever. We're no longer on the path of, of sin and corruption leading to destruction. Amen? And so we need to grow in the life that we have in him. We need to grow in the life that we have in him. Get into his word more. Learn to practice that daily intimacy with the Lord. Moment by moment. Day by day. Moment by moment. Day by day. Learn to know that he's with you. That he's there. That you can speak to him. That you can be in his word, that you can have that intimacy. And through that impartation of his word, he's going to be bringing you along in this life that you have in him towards godliness. Amen? Towards godliness. We can grow from life in him to godliness as well. Now, Peter tells us, if you look later all the way down in verse 4, and we'll get to this in a little later, but I want to jump ahead there. Peter tells us that corruption came into the world through lust. Look at that at the end of verse 4. He says, having escaped, you've escaped, you've, 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 you've come into life, you've, you have grace and peace in your life because you've been saved, and this has come about in your life through the, through the divine power, amen, and you continue to grow in this in the knowledge of God. And then he contrasts this really at the end, at the end of verse 4 with us having escaped from corruption, We've escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so, really, you have uh, Peter telling us that corruption came into the world through lust. Lust, and sometimes, we, we, sometimes we're so familiar with these words, we don't know what they mean. I think lust is one of those. It's like, wow, what... It, I, I know lust. I know, I, yeah, I'm very familiar with that word. What does it mean? Lust is a desire, craving, longing for what is forbidden. Lust. There's a lust uh, of the flesh that the Bible talks about. Lust of the eyes. The pride of life. These are kind of the three sins that we see. The three temptations. All the way back in the garden. And processing forward all the way to the temptation of Christ. Jesus was tempted in those three areas, just as we see the articulation of that temptation in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 3, we see Jesus uh, battling those three uh, same temptations and then uh, battling that with the very Word of God, right? He responded to each one. It is written, right? It is written. And so lust 
is that desire, craving, longing for what is forbidden. Godliness stands opposed to lust. So for the Christian, if we're growing in uh, godliness, if we're going, growing in, let's use another word term, righteousness, if we're growing in that direction, we're, it, it, that's opposed to going the other direction, which is kind of going down a lustful direction, a direction towards lust that leads to corruption, that leads to ultimate destruction. Godliness stands opposed to lust. And so God has given us grace and peace, and in that he's given us life in him that leads to godliness. Are you alive in him tonight and growing towards godliness? Are you alive in him and growing towards, moving towards godliness in him? Because that's what he wants us to do. As his children, he wants us to grow in the knowledge of him and grow in the direction towards godliness. Now, I want to, before we move on to the next point, I want to, to look at that verse 2, or verse 3, I'm sorry. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Um. You have it, Christian. You have it. You have what you're looking for. Yeah, I think that a lot of Christians are looking for the key to their spiritual life. They're looking for the thing that, that I'm just going to get this key to, 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 to what I need, to live for the Lord, to, to be that Christian that I know he wants me to be. And, and Peter says here, you've got it. It's been given to you. You're no longer in search of a key. You have everything that you need for life in him and to proceed toward godliness. Amen? Amen. 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 You've got what you need to proceed towards godliness. Now, secondly, tonight, as we move forward, not only do we have multiplied grace and peace, but we have great and precious promises Let's read verse 4 again. He says this, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, the last thing that Peter tells us that we possess here in this salutation is that we have great and precious promises. We possess great and precious promises. Now, God is a promise maker. God is a promise maker. He makes promises, and he's also a promise keeper. Amen? Before they put that men's group together out there in Colorado, and they, you know, they filled up all those football stadiums, promise keepers, yeah, God is the original promise keeper. Amen? He's the original. And, uh, and so he's a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And Peter tells us here that God's great and precious promises are made by his glory and virtue. They've come about by his glory and virtue. And this means 
that the promises of God are based upon his glory and virtue and therefore perfectly reliable because God would never compromise his glory and virtue. Amen? If the, if the great and precious promises that we possess have proceeded from the glory and the virtue of God, we can rely on God and we can rely on his great and precious promises because he will never, ever compromise his glory and virtue. Amen. And we sung about that tonight already. We sung about being able to rely on God. Amen. I can rely on you, God. I can trust you. I can trust your promises. Another reason why we can trust his promises and his word, really, it's about being a, a man of your word, right? Be, making a promise, making a statement, right? And then standing by it. We call it being a man of your word, right? And this is really what it is. This is what it amounts to. So there's an interesting psalm in uh, the book of Psalms where in Psalms on Wednesday night, going through the Psalms, and it's been, it's wonderful. But I wanted to take your attention to Psalm 138, verse 2. You'll see it up on the screen. It says this, I will worship toward your temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. And this is an incredible, incredible Verse of scripture. Amen. This is, this is, this is, wow. This is incredible. He's saying, you have magnified your word above your name. Talk about being a man of your word. Now, the name, to understand the power of this statement, I think you have to talk about the name. You have to talk about the name. Now, Now I'm not going to go real deep. There's a lot on this. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time because we got to get to the table here in a, in a few minutes. But the name, that's another whole study. The Hebrew said Hashem. Hashem, the name. And when you said the name, the name was really him. We, we like to think of the name being like all the names, and God has all kinds of wonderful names, right? And we've seen posters hanging in church buildings like, you know, El Shaddai and El, you know, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, and all that. That's incredible. That's wonderful. And he is all those things. He is all those things, right? <laughs> so the name is him. It's not just kind of a badge. This says, oh, yeah, here, here's a name. Let's call it this. Let's call this this. No, he, he is what his name is. He is the name. So when, when you said the name, you weren't talking about just the four consonants, the tetragrammatron, the YHWH. It's not like, oh, the name, the YHWH. No, the name is him. And that's why it's so revered. Amen? Hashem, the name. But guess what? He's magnified his word above his name. Incredible. Incredible. Now, I've, I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to the holy city. I've stood at the western wall. And what, one of the things that the Jews will come as they approach the western wall, they will come with their prayer request. 
right? They'll come with their prayer requests written on little pieces of paper. And they take the little pieces of paper that have their prayer requests on them, and they kind of ball them up, and they will literally put the little pieces of paper into the crevices of the wall. And so at the, at the end of the day, they have, like, you know, these guys, these attendants that come out, and they go and they collect all the pieces of paper to take, to take care of the pieces of paper so they're not, you know, they don't fall on the floor or whatever. Why? Because written on those prayer requests is the name. The name. Now, this is what they're doing. They're, they're just t- trying to take care of the name. But really, the name is the Lord. And he's elevated his word. He's magnified his word above his name. In that sense, he's saying, I am everything that I say that I am, and I am a person of my word. I'm, I'm a person of my word, and you can rely on me. You can rely on me. You can trust me. And so we have great and precious promises, amen, that we can trust in, these great promises. We never have to doubt any promise of God. Now, there will be times in your life where you'll come to that crossroads, where you'll have trust. Rely on the promises of God or doubt the promises of God. You know, you'll come to the fork in the road. The circumstance of your life will bring you to that fork of the road. And you, you've got a decision to make. And you can make the decision to rely and trust on the promises of God. Because you can just, you, you, you want to say, you know, you know, almost to say take it to the bank is not, is not to do justice to relying on the word, the, the word of the Lord. Amen? Instead, we should, be, we should be, as Paul talked about in Romans 3, he said, let God be true and every man a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar because God, amen, is true. And we know that God cannot lie, right? We're told that in the book of Numbers. Now, there are many promises Great and precious promises, there are many promises of God that we have. And, wow, you know, you're tempted to say, okay, well, let's go through the promises, you know. But then that's another whole study, amen. And, and that's, that's maybe something that as you go through your daily devotions and as you go through your daily scripture, you can come to those promises of God. And you're familiar with those promises, Amen. But what I want to do is I want to direct our attention really to the next, the next phrase there because Paul, uh, Peter says here, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. And so what I want to talk about is the purpose of the great and precious promises. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Well, I'm almost done. I'm not getting started. I'm almost done. <laughs> That, that sounded like a statement like I was just getting started. But no, I'm almost done. All the promises have a purpose. All the promises of God have a singular purpose. You say, what? All the promises of God have a singular purpose. What is it? Well, you see it right there in verse 4. That through these, 
you may be partakers of the divine nature. That through these great and, prom- great and precious promises, the goal of these promises, the goal of God's word and you believing it and trusting it and staking your life on it, the goal of it, the purpose of every last one of them is that through these, you will become partakers of the divine nature. Wow, this is, this is powerful stuff. The God, God's promises are made that through them you would partake in the divine nature. Now, now we're moving speedily to the close. There are really there are three stages of, of the believer. Three stages of the believer. And you're going to want to write this down. If you haven't been taking notes up until this point, go ahead and get out pen and paper. Three stages of the believer. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Amen? Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, this is how I'm going to run this past you tonight. Justification equals life. Remember, he said you've received everything for life and godliness? You've received everything for life when you receive the grace and peace of God. So justification, when you receive the grace of God and you were justified, just as if I'd never sinned at all, and you became a new creature, you became a living, a new, brand new cr- person in Christ. Paul talks about it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new cre- creation, right? So justification equals that life stage, that life in Christ. If you've been justified, you've come into life in Christ. Amen. Secondly, sanctification equals Growing towards godliness. Sanctification equals growing towards godliness. So you've received everything for life and godliness. Amen? Third, glorification equals partaking in the divine nature. Glorification equals partaking in the divine nature. Now, John put it this way in his epistle. 1 John 3, 2. You're familiar with it. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What's John saying? We we don't know what it... You know, Paul put it this way. We look through a glass darkly, right? John's saying, look, we don't know. We, 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 don't have the, we, we don't have the full crisp, you know, 1080 or what, 4K. You know, what's the next one? 6K? I was in San Francisco at the Apple store there in, in Union Station. They had a 6K screen wow. in there. I'm like, what? Okay, crazy. We don't know what, what, it, what, what exactly it is we shall be. But we know, we do know this, that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So what does that mean? We shall be like him. We will be partakers in the divine nature, amen? Paul put it this way in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning at verse 53. He said this, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, 
And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So what's Paul saying there? We're going we're, we're gonna to shed the corruption, the, immor- the, the immortal, and we're going to put, or the, the mortal, and we're going to put on the immortality. We don't know, John says, what we shall be, but we do know this. Paul says, look, we see it through a glass darkly, but, but by my words, this corruption, we're going to shed it, and we're going to put on incorruption. Amen, in Jesus' name. And we're going to be partakers in the divine nature. Okay, let's just take a deep breath. (laughs) You want to talk about great and precious promises? Great and precious promises. That through these, you will partake of the divine nature. Amen? Amen. Wow. I'm excited. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I don't know if you've ever just taken some time to think, man, what, what's it going to be like? I mean, we're going to have, you know, it's, it's a new body. Wow. But it's going to be incredible. And I want to be in that number. Amen? <laughs> when the saints come marching in, I want to be in that number. 